in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Hey folks, this is Archie Mason of That Farm Life Podcast. Thanks for being with us for uh, another episode today. I know we've got a lot of listeners from across the United States and around the world, so thank all of you uh, for being with us. Hey, if you like the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to it. Also, uh, let your friends know about it, share it with everyone that you can. If you want more information about us, this podcast is a resource of agrihealth.net. You can check us out there. we got some resources available. Tell us a little bit about who we are and the things that we are trying to do. Today, we have a very special guest. She is from Central Arkansas. We're talking with Keisha Cobb. Keisha is the founder and the director of the Sustainability Project. She's also the president of the National Women in Ag chapter in Arkansas, founder and director of Black Women in Ag. So she is famous, mm-hmm. and she has a lot going on. Miss Keisha, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. That was an awesome introduction. That was perfect. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, hey, tell us, uh, tell us about yourself, how you got started in urban farming. Okay. Well, I got started out of necessity about me. I am uh, the middle of triplets. I'm the middle born. So yeah, two girls and a boy. And um, I actually have a set of twin brothers too. So the twin brothers are identical, but the triplets were, we're not identical, but um and I was uh, born in East St. Louis, uh, raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. And we would go to East St. Louis. I don't tell people this much, but we would go to East St. Louis in the summer. And it was the worst neighborhood in America. Like, I mean, we would see stuff in those urban areas that I've still never seen. And this was, shoot, 40 years ago, maybe. So um, coming back to Little Rock, every summer and seeing the difference um, in cultures. And then I moved to Dallas when I was in my 20s, seeing the difference in cultures. And so I started to miss the green. Everyone in the city always is like, Arkansas is so green. So I started realizing what that green was. And I remember when I would drive from I-30 and go east from Texas, how it would cool down when I got in the trees, if anyone's ever experienced that. And so even if the sun is on you, so I just started getting more interested into the land, agriculture. Honestly, growing up as a little Black girl in North Little Rock, I didn't know much about the industry of agriculture. I had no idea half of the state was dedicated to growing food. I didn't even know rice land was in Arkansas, Tyson, I knew it was down the street, but I'm like, this isn't the Tyson in the store, is it? So I mean, as I got older, I really just got into health and wellness big time. Um, when I got pregnant with my son, he's 27 now, so 26 years ago. And I'm like, I don't want to put anything bad into my body. 
and but I need all natural and I need whole foods and that's a little expensive. Yeah. So years later, I got to the point where I could grow the whole food. And I decided to do that when one day I had to choose between getting gas to take my son to school or feeding him. And feeding him was going to be a pack of hot dogs. So I remember passing by, um, and this is after I'm divorced and I'm in a financial bind and I'm in the grocery store and you know what we do with our children. We don't want them to know the big struggle. I exposed him to some of the struggle, but I'm not telling him, baby, I got to choose between feeding you and gas. And I'm looking at these beautiful, bright vegetables and I'm like, all of this stuff comes from the ground. It should be free to me. So that is what made me do it full time gardening. I started hearing more about USDA and I really didn't even know what that was, to be honest. I'm thinking it's just the government. And I attended conferences and classes. So a couple years ago, I got registered as a farmer right here at my house with what I had. And I tell people, do what you can with where you are with what you have. Okay. So I was in a low income um, community, uh, low income myself, but I had this house and I had that backyard and I chopped it full of everything you could grow. It's ridiculous. My hedges are blueberries. Okay. (laughs) I don't even want the regular hedges. I don't want birch. I don't want anything anywhere on my house that's a hedge. It's blueberries. Okay. And um, I planted elderberries for the trees and I everything, almost everything is edible. I'm thinking about planting some kind of spinach for grass. It's going to be a mess, but I might try it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, you know what? Agriculture saved me. So I want to teach other low income, especially single mothers. And those are uh, minorities or anyone in a low income area or position, how to do the same, how to monetize their garden, become a farmer. And it started doing things like being therapy to me because life started happening. And uh, 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago is when I moved back after my divorce. So I'm depressed and I've been prone to depression for since I was 16 and even knew what it was. Right. So I started studying psychology and stuff back then and understanding myself. And now I'm an adult. I'm di- I'm, I'm divorced and I'm not I wasn't the, the wife that took everything. He left and took the truck and we didn't have a place to stay. I'm like. I think this is backwards. So now I'm back home, home living with my mom. And you know, as an adult, you have to move back in with your mom. You might as well move the depression in with you because she's sweet, she's cute, she loves you, but you need to go. So I started like gardening at her house before I even had one. And I needed to do it. I needed the land and I didn't know it was ministering to me. I didn't know it was teaching me things about life, about death and how you have to accept it. I can be so excited about this lettuce plant, but if I didn't put the seeds down at the right time, it's just not going to make it. If I didn't fertilize it at the right time, it's not going to flourish. So I started learning so many things about life in general from the earth. And then, of course, I was getting some good vitamins under the sun and didn't notice that it could help depression. And I kind of got it, got addicted to it. And then when I say life happened, my triplet sister, Kira, uh, she got diagnosed with cervical cancer. 
now we do and did communicate telepathically. It was, it's a thing. So when I was in Texas and she was nowhere around me, she's all the way in Arkansas. For years, I fretted that I remember even telling my husband, I think I have cervical cancer. And he would be like, why are you saying this? Like, you don't. You went to the doctor. Everything's fine. For years, I was so terrified. And then I get back here and I'm like, Kira, you're the fear I've been feeling. And it was specific to cervical cancer. So I'm like, I'm going to heal you. We're going to, she knew, she would look at me and she's like, okay, you got this right. I'm like, yeah. But I learned, it was just, it was her time. It was unfortunate. Um, I paid attention and she paid attention to what she ate. I would put teas together to um, settle her stomach after chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And she would, she never came to the garden, but sometimes after chemo, she would manage to walk out there, Keisha, and see me in the garden. She knew it was my thing. And so uh, just, my God, the deepest depression I was ever in was after I lost her. And my combination, and I tell people this all the time because it's free. My combination of what worked was prayer, praise. I had to play music in my garden and then gardening. I had to be out there every morning. I shot out the door and I'm serious. And I had to uh, listen to a little bit of motivational speaking by Les Brown. He's my favorite motivational speaker. So I had to do all of that together. If I missed one, it didn't work. And I had to do that consistently. But that farm back there is, it was the key. Not just the food I ate, but just being in the garden and y'all think magical things would happen like hummingbirds would fly up to me. And it wasn't until after my sister died that I saw a swallowtail butterfly. I didn't know what a swallowtail butterfly was. And it was every single color, her favorite color, blue, gold, black. And it just fluttered around in my face, right? And so that inspired me to write a um, a coloring book called Magical Garden. Yeah. But um, it's just been a big part of my life. And it's it's a it's literally, I feel, in my DNA now. And it's just I couldn't I couldn't live without it. If I had to move somewhere, it would be plants everywhere, big carrots growing out of people's properties. I don't know. I, I would grow fish in a ditch. It would have to be something. So ag is I'm the ag girl. Yeah, but that's just personal about me. I didn't even talk about the businesses. Sorry. Well, let me ask you that. Well, I do want to talk about the business. That was really okay. good. That was really you had me spellbound. I, I can oh. tell you. T- c- couple of things, real quick. Tell us more about this coloring book, uh, Magical Garden. Tell us about that. And where can where can someone find that? Okay. So the Magical Garden I wrote last year. And we just finalized it. I literally, I I, I illustrated it because I started drawing when I was a little girl. So it is a coloring book and reading book for the youth that promotes uh, equality and equity in agriculture. So it's, it's different colors. I really, they can color the kids in the book any color they want, but we have ethnic hair, we have straight hair, we have tall, fat, short children. Uh, I'm in there. I drew myself in there in my backyard farm. And it's educational. It's everything about like aquaponic. Um, you know, the swallowtail butterflies are in there. Some of the magical birds that have come to the perch in the, the uh, mulberry tree I have in the garden. I didn't know what a night heron was. The birds, they're beautiful. 
and they're huge and they perched in my tree. And so I put them in the book. And so uh, it's a way for children to learn about agriculture, urban agriculture. It's mostly about urban agriculture. And hopefully that will spark some growth in them and put some seeds in them that they can can manifest in the future. Awesome. Okay. Hey, if folks see you listen to this, we'll we'll put some of that information in the show notes, uh, give you an opportunity where to find that. So, hey, if someone wants to reach out to you, Keisha, how can they do that? How's the, how's the best way? And I'm not advising you to give your cell number out, but if you have a website or an email address, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Okay. So um, that kind of goes into the business. Uh, Black Women in Ag is, as far as we know, the only uh, organization exclusively for Black women in America. And we unapologetically called it Black Women in Ag because I would attend these conferences and with anyone of of color, you know, I'm like, uh, we're the only ones in here. (laughs) And it's nothing against us. It's just that we need to be more involved in the industry. So especially the women, because we're the ones that feed our communities. We nurture our men. And it even ties into socioeconomic issues. I believe if we can save the little Black girls and the Black women, we can cut back on crime in our communities. And our men are are the highest numbers in prisons. So Black Women in Ag is literally a movement for so many different reasons. So if you want to reach me, definitely go to BlackWomenInAg.com. And the email address for me, my personal, would be Keisha, that's K-E-S-H-A-D-C-O-B-B at gmail.com. So that's Keisha D. Cobb at gmail.com. And I'll reply to you. Awesome. Hey, Keisha, what led, uh, what, you know, your experiences or whatever, you and your brother started the sustainability project. So tell us, uh, tell us about that, which is, it sounds like to me, you got a couple of different kind of businesses that are taking place. So just walk us through that. Well, the sustainability project was launched right after I moved back to Arkansas from Dallas after the divorce. And I was always a health and wellness um, geek. And so I wanted to get more people into focusing on health, wellness. And of course, I was passionate about sustainability. And the sustainability project was born. And so just through different projects, we promote health, wellness, sustainability, and community development with a focus on agriculture because I mean, that's how you can heal all of those aspects. But speaking of healing, um, I personally was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes a couple, well, a year ago, I think it's been a year, after being a health and wellness geek. And so I was eating good food, whole food, like salads with salmon. But what I was drinking was wreaking havoc on my pancreas. And, you know, uh, I had insulin resistance and didn't know it. And I'm like, I'm confused because I ate egg whites in the morning with with uh, spinach from the garden. And then I would drink orange juice. And it's just a big old bucket of sugar. Or I would work out. I would I always roll my bike and work out, but but it was at the wrong time. So if I ride my bike or work out and do all this cardio, burn all the sugar out of my blood, then I would drink a Sprite afterwards. And the sugar is just there. But uh, lo and behold, me being the conqueror that I am, (laughs) 
I studied for about 30 days and I beat diabetes in two weeks by changing my diet, utilizing what was in my garden or farm and um, lifestyle, making sure stress is down. And I go back to my doctor and they're like, what did you do? Your A1C is like slashed in half. And they gave me the, okay, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You don't have to take medicine or anything. And y'all, I was sick. It was really bad. I've never been fat, right? So I didn't gain weight. That wasn't indicative for me. I just got very, very sick. No energy, losing muscle mass, urinating a lot. And my doctor knows that I'm a, a health geek. And he's like, okay, what do you think it is? I said, well, I would say it's diabetes, but there's no way I have diabetes. He said, you're type two diabetic. And I was floored. I cried on the way home. I prayed. And in my mind, the, the words two weeks came to me. So about, now I did, I tried the medicine. So I know how it is taking the medicine, but in the shots, but um, I buckled down and boy, when I came off the sugar, I was like a crackhead in my house by myself. It was terrible. So I do, I have, I had an addiction to sugar. I still, I'm in remission right now, but I'm keeping it real. And uh, we're working on a book for that. We're working on a book for that. Just telling people what I did. You know, I'm not a doctor. Definitely um, keep in touch with your doctor. Tell them what your plans are. But it is possible to beat it at any stage to where you don't have to take the medication and you, you live in life and you're saving your kidneys and your heart. And so um, my brother, he knows that journey. And I actually, I launched the sustainability project. He has some other organizations that he's passionate about that he launched and we work together in agriculture sometimes, but he knows that journey because he was, he was here with me. I didn't tell anyone I was sick until after I beat it. So that if I say y'all don't need to eat this or I'm cooking this, then they were eating it. And so, yeah, that's how, how that happened. But um, that's the inspiration behind the health and wellness and the sustainability project. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so somebody may be out there and they're listening to your story and they say, man, I like it. I want to do what Keisha's doing. But they may say, well, we just don't have a lot of land. I don't have a huge backyard. If you go into your backyard, what's it look like? I mean, are you, if you got some kind of map laid out where you plant everything or you just plant stuff and it has paths through it? So give us a visual picture of that. Okay, so the way I, first of all, my house isn't that big, thousand square feet. And this was a house that I acquired um, after some experience in real estate in Dallas. So it was a vacant house, okay? Ranch, small ranch style house, thousand square feet. I acquired it and I had to figure out how to fix it up myself. So now I know how to fix the floors, uh, cut the wood, use the miter saws, all that stuff that came in, in handy in the garden. So I go in the backyard and... Um, this is kind of an inside joke. I'm like, I want to be like Jody's mama on Baby Boy. It's the movie that Tyrese uh, is in. So his mom, pretty black lady, she's always in the garden and everybody in the neighborhood comes to look at her garden. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. So I start, I picked the sunniest spot and built a huge garden bed because now I knew how to do it from working on my house. And then we expanded to another garden bed. The first garden bed is probably 24 by 14. It's huge, but I can walk in it. And then the the one next to it is probably 14 uh 14 by 18. Yeah. So, um I did that for several years. I just utilized those beds. 
I plant along my fence grapes, raspberries, um, loofah, anything that vines. I utilize my fence. And my my the yard or the farm footprint is a quarter of an acre. So it's like a little over 10,000 square feet, maybe 12,000 square feet. It's not a lot, but I produce so much food. I have to, I'm selling it now, but I started giving it away. And so last year I built a big greenhouse that's 16 by 14. And I still have a lot of yard left. So um, everything back there is edible from the tree to the elderberry to the herbs and uh, what's growing on the fence. And I mean, everything. I wanted everything back there to be edible. Well, except for the grass. And some of the grass is too, because it's plantain. It's some herbs that I use for cuts and stuff. So that's how it looks. And I'm telling you, you know, I love urban agriculture. I love agriculture, period. But I love urban agriculture for people who don't have a lot of resources in which is land. So you can grow right where you are, even if you start in a big old pot, because nature, nature and agriculture makes us expand. It makes us upgrade. It makes us do more. So it tells us to do more. If you grow a tomato plant, a tomato is going to fall to the ground and grow again. So it, it tells you to increase. Nature tells you to increase. So you start where you are and you can produce a lot where you are in that small space. So are most of your, when you talk about those spaces, are they uh, what is called like raised garden beds? So maybe you have a perimeter or a wooden perimeter around it. And that Did you bring in any extra dirt or you mix anything? I guess I'm asking some of your secrets uh, that okay. you do gardening. Yeah, because y'all, it was a the first year I had an entire war with the squirrels. <laughs> right. And, and and I've done some research on them. They remember who you are. They tell their babies who you are. They probably know my name and everything. But listen, I had to booby trap the garden. It was a mess. I took pictures. I had to set up pots that would fall on them and stuff that would it was I was like, you know, I'm not doing this much anymore. So I put a, yes, it's a raised garden bed with two by sixes. I would have loved to do two by 12, but that would have required more soil and I didn't have much money at the time. So on my two by six garden beds, I got some of the, uh, it's not chicken wire, but it's the little, little smaller, the little smaller blocks, the um, fencing. And I, I just stapled it around it and it's kind of rickety because I framed it all pretty and the squirrels just were all over it. So I took the framing off to where it's kind of shaky, but it's still sturdy and they don't climb over it. And so I won the squirrel, the squirrel war. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, that's all I put around my garden beds. I made a little gate so I can walk in. It's like a trail in it. And I did bring in soil. Oh my goodness. Back then I had the nerve to dig in that garden bed and it almost killed me. So I learned about no-till and no-dig gardening. And that's what I do now because I just lay down um, paper and let it smother out the, the um, grass. And then I bring in good soil, good compost. And right now I really don't have to anymore because I do my own compost in a big trash can. So it's like, I'm going to figure as a single mom, I mean, we have to figure out things a lot. So I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to get my own soil because I'm tired of buying bags. But uh, there's a neighbor around the corner that cuts her grass and puts the bags out and I grab them. And I just layer them in there with some, you know, dirt, a little bit of dirt and compost. And I have my own compost for the year. So that's how we do that. Yeah. It is good. And uh, wow. I tell you what, that's going to be encouragement to so many uh, people out there, Missy. So one more time, 
Uh, give us your email address so someone can reach out to you. Okay, it's K E S H A D Cobb at gmail.com. And then also, too, they can go to what is it, Black Women in Ag? Is that a website? Yep, Black Women in Ag. And you guys, I want people to know that everyone should be involved in this movement. We're all opinionated when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when it comes to, you know, the Black youth are killing each other, when it comes to their own food stamps and stuff. I hate to say it directly, but this is the answer. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Mm -hmm. ma'am. Well, good stuff. Keisha, thank you for sharing all that with us today. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Again, we'll list this in the show notes so you can get all of the information there. We encourage you to, if you hear Miss Keisha Day, you've been inspired by her story, reach out to her by email. She sounds like an individual be willing to help you yeah. uh, in any way that she can. You know, and you've heard her story. We all go through difficult times. It may be uh, physical or financial or emotional. We've all, as Keisha uh, lost her sister, we've all walked through those different you know, difficult times. So, you know, sometimes you need to maybe reach out to your pastor or maybe a doctor, you know, to uh, just get the help that you need. Hey, check out our website again at agrihealth.net for that resource page. We will help you any way we can. And as I mentioned earlier too, if you like our podcast, we encourage you to subscribe or follow us. Hey, and give us a rating. Let us know what you think about it because that helps us how to do better. Hey, until next week, uh, we'll see you then, but keep farming and keep the faith. I'll see you later. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.